Episode 29, the one-year anniversary, the Photon Podcast, coming up. AmateurRadio15.com presents Photon, the other ham radio podcast, sponsored by Main Trading Company. Find them online at mtcradio.com. Now, here's your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. This is episode number 29. I'm Kale, your host. My call is Kilo for Charlie Delta November. Thank you so much for giving me your time. We've been doing this for a year. You're back again to listen. I hope that not only are you being entertained, you're being educated along with Kale as well. So thank you again for being here. I know that your time is valuable, and I appreciate you sharing that time with me right now. Yeah, I'm Kale, and if you're brand new to the show, uh, thank you for being here. I'm an amateur radio operator in South Carolina. My call is Kilo for Charlie Delta November. I'm a former FM guy who gave that up to concentrate on my kids and still had something to say. So I uh, decided to start podcasting about a year ago, like a, a year and a week ago, about amateur radio. So thank you for checking us out. This this podcast is for anybody that's into the amateur radio hobby, anybody that's looking to get into the amateur radio hobby from any aspect, from any angle. We're trying to cover them all, and there's a lot of them, so stick with us here on the Photon Podcast. I got to tell you guys real quick, this segment of the Photon Podcast, episode number 29, is sponsored by the brand new ICOM IC2730 dual band full power mobile radio. This thing is great, guys. 50 watts output on VHF and UHF. It's got the big, huge, easy-to-read display along with, yes, that's right, cross-band repeating. And you can find it online. The best price that I've found online is with my friends at mtcradio.com. Check them out, mtcradio.com. Call Richard and get your brand-new ICOM 2730 dual-band mobile today. Kim and Ray Nelson. Now that to me, that's a little odd because I'm a Nelson as well. Although we live probably about four or five hours separated, uh, and we're probably not connected by anything, but we share the same last name. So welcome, both of you, to the Photon Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So uh, you, you guys have a have a business in South Georgia. It's Mary Papa Delta MPD Digital, and you manufacture uh, coax cable assemblies. Now, Kim, this is this is your business in a sense, if I'm not mistaken. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about your business? Uh, yes, it, it is my business. Um, it started about seven years ago when Ray was looking for a stress relief, and he started working with cables as a hobby. And I was unhappy in the job that I had, so I was looking for something else to do and he challenged me to try to figure out how to put connectors on cable and he probably thought I was going to fail at it but oh. after uh, trying it and learning what connectors went to what I was able to make it, make them in our spare bedroom and once I started making them and we started making some money it took up another bedroom and then the garage and then we decided we needed to move out and make it a real business and start hiring employees to do most of the assembly business. Wow. You know, the a lot of the best ideas happen that way. And uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, you guys are both veterans as well. Is that correct? 
Yes. We were both in the Army. Well, thank you both for your service to our fine country here. Hey, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about the business. How long have you guys, how, how long has MPD Digital been in business from that time starting in the spare bedroom to where you are now? It's been seven years so far. Okay, okay. And you are located, uh, what, what's, the, what's the city's name in South Georgia? Albany. Albany, okay. I call it South Georgia because Georgia is south of me. Yeah. So if yeah. you're south yeah. of Atlanta, you're, you're virtually Florida. We are. <laughs> well, we're we're not we're ninety miles from Tallahassee. If that answers your question, okay. So we're about we're about as south as south can get and still be in Georgia. I got you. I got you. Well, I've been through that area uh, a time or two in the past, and it's just as hot there as it is here. Oh yes. yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Kim, you were in the army. You're, you're you're both army veterans. You you I think you worked in some other field. You didn't like it. You decided to start. Well, you took a you took a dare. Because yes. because Ray was was making cables up, uh, when he was making these cables, was he just doing that for a hobby, or was he doing doing it to sell? How did, how did all that come around? Well, he he started out. He had gotten some cables that already had connectors on them, and he was selling those on eBay. And he saw that there was a demand, so that was when he got the idea. Well, maybe I could just buy bulk cable, and then some connectors, and kind of make up different links that would sell better on eBay and, you know, like a little side job. Okay. So that's kind of where the idea came from, you know, with him. So, so he was doing this and he, he was, he was working as well, but figured I'll bring her in. She can put her, put her hand to the wheel here and, and help me, help me get some more, more going Now, Now you guys not only sell on eBay, you also supply. And that's right, guys. I said you supply, Amazon to fulfill yes. their orders. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. How many employees do you have? I have 12 employees right now. Wow. From the bedroom to 12 employees. Now, as a small business person, my wife and I have been in business since about 2000, 2001. That is, uh, that's, that's nothing short of miraculous that you're still in business in this economy. Thank goodness. Uh, but secondly, to be able to provide jobs for folks here to have something to do, well, thank you for that as well. Tell us a little bit about your manufacturing facility and uh, how things go down at work every day. Okay, I'll take. I'll let Ray. Sure, I'll, I'll take that one for you. Um, basically, we we just moved last year to what I consider probably a permanent home uh, for for quite a while. Uh, we renovated a uh, five thousand square foot facility in downtown Albany and essentially build out a combination of a warehouse space and uh, construction space. And um, we've got about uh, $50,000, $60,000 worth of machinery uh, that's used to do everything from coil and strip and uh, presses for installing cable connectors and all that kind of good stuff, as well as we normally stock about 250,000 feet of various types of coax cable. All our cables made in the United States. We don't buy foreign stuff. Um, not anything against some of it. I mean, the Swiss cable made by Huber Center and the cable made in the Netherlands by Draca and a lot of the German stuff is pretty daggone good, uh, very comparable to the U.S. Uh, and we sold some Israeli cable before, but we do not deal we do not deal in communist Chinese products or Vietnamese products or you know basically extending our military service one notch further 
we do not buy or sell anything that comes from a country that I consider to be uh, less than of interest to the United States. So uh, that's just the niche that we've fallen into. Um, we think it's a better quality of product. And in a lot of cases, we know it's a better quality of product. And there's still a good half dozen cable manufacturers in the U.S. And those are the guys we have arrangements with to purchase their item. Fantastic. Now, Kim, let me let me ask you this because you're not an amateur radio operator. Is that correct? I'm not. You're not. Um, is it is it hard to be in a business that you're not in it as a hobby as well or a side interest or is it is this just business for you? Um, it, it's a little bit of both. Um, since Ray has come on board doing the general manager position and a lot of my technicians have their licenses, it's kind of my role has changed. I don't assemble the cables myself anymore. I'm not, you know, doing the dirty work. I'm more about overseeing the employees and the, the financial aspects of the business. So my role has kind of changed and I don't spend as much time talking to customers as my other employees do. So yes, it would be great if I get my license and I've been hounded by quite a few people. <laughs> so that's something I do have in my future to go ahead and get my license. Um, but yeah, it would help out a lot if I did that. I got you. Now tell me, uh, we mentioned eBay, we mentioned Amazon. Do you guys do any ham fest touring or are you just strictly online sales? We've, we've done some ham fests in the past, uh, and uh, not saying we won't go do them again. Um, one of the issues that we have now, though, is that uh, in order to do a ham fest, basically it's it's uprooting uprooting yourself and and basically disappearing for a couple of days to do that ham fest, and that uh, I mean that takes a, quite a bit of time away from you know, the business itself, um, especially since a lot of our orders are customized or, or built on demand uh, for different uh, operators as well as, you know, the, the weekly shipments out to Amazon's warehouses. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll probably do some more ham fest in the future, but uh, right now it's, it's, it's uh, a small part of the business. So what uh, when you're sitting when you're sitting in the the spare bedroom and you're assembling well, cables, uh, what was your first number one bestseller that you ever that you really said okay we can make a business out of this? Well, we started out where a lot of it was in mail to in mail, okay. and then I think uh, PL two fifty nines came in next. So I learned to solder. Uh, I taught myself how to solder, and it, it took a lot of practice. But um, that's kind of where it started, and then it went into the other connectors, SMAs and TNC, some of them reverse polarity. But I would say N-Mails and PL259s were our biggest sellers at the beginning. Fantastic. It's, it's really interesting because uh, my wife is a hairdresser, and mm -hmm. she does a phenomenal job, has a tremendous business, well enough to provide that myself and my children can stay at home together every day. Uh, and, and she wouldn't know which end of the soldering iron to hold. Uh, <laughs> but she, she's, she's mean with a curling iron, so yeah. you know, I guess we not, all have our only, different talents. 
Yeah, not only that, she taught herself to solder with, with equipment that we wouldn't even consider using these days. I mean, she learned how to do it the hard way with good old-fashioned soldering irons. Today in production, we use Metcal soldering stations with heat on demand so that the soldering iron tips heat up to the exact temperature required to melt the solder. And, and it's a whole lot easier with the equipment we use now. Of course, now we're soldering you know, several hundred cables a day as opposed to the uh, as opposed to when she was doing 10 20 30 a day that, so that's a, that's a different different world that sounds almost like you're cheating now yeah <laughs> well it, in a way it feels like it sometimes because i mean the amount of time it takes and you know when you've got the automatic sensors that tell you exactly you know how hot the tip needs to be it it makes life a lot easier so tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about the business there uh, you guys have been up for seven years. You're both military veterans, family-run small business in southern Georgia. Uh, you've got 12 employees, 5,000 square foot. Uh, is it is it eight to five, eight to five deal every day, uh, Monday through Friday? How do you, how do you operate there? We do like an eight to four thirty, or seven thirty to four thirty, or seven thirty right. to four thirty. I mean, you know, we try to since we're in Georgia, you know, we we have a lot of customers in California. So our afternoons get pretty busy with California calls, and so we try to make it to where we can be there for a little bit of everybody. I got you. The other part, though, is that, you know, this is, it's your typical small business because we get emails at 9, 10 o'clock at night with people that have problems that need to be solved. So very rarely is there a night that goes by that we don't spend some time, you know, answering questions and solving problems. You, you as a as an entrepreneur or small small business owner, there is never a day off. I don't care right. what anybody yeah, says. Right. <laughs> so yep. uh, we we go to your website mpdigital.us, and it it gives us a breakdown of your company. Now, can you order from the website there, or is it uh, through the other avenues that you take all of your orders? Well, we have we have several avenues. We do have a, a website basically that allows people. To design their own cable assembly, and that's uscoax.com or usacoax.com. Um, and if you go to usacoax, essentially you can select from anything from RG58, Belden 9907, RG214, RG213, all the LMR times microwave cables, and you can select any one of about 260 cable combinations. For connectors, I mean, if you want to, if you want a, a weird cable that has an FME to a RPSMA, you can build it there, and we'll make it for you and ship it out. Um, so there's that, as well as the still probably the vast majority of our business comes from Amazon, where we manufacture all the Times microwave cables for Amazon that they sell. And then we also have uh, a number of different cable assemblies that we sell ourselves on Amazon. And it's usacoax.com. That's a that's a really interesting concept there. I like that. I like the. I'm looking at the site there. I was unaware of that. I don't know how I missed that, but uh, that's okay. It's kind of a stealth site. We haven't advertised it a lot. Uh, it, it's one that uh, it's one that just basically allows people to design what it is they'd like to have, um, but. We try and uh, we try and produce a, a product that everybody can customize. Um, I mean, it makes no difference to us whether somebody wants 20 feet or 25 feet or 32 feet. You know, you can measure it out to whatever people need. 
I got you. I got you. And and you guys are in the business to create that custom cable assembly that someone needs for their particular product, not just. Right. I mean, you'll you'll manufacture it in bulk and and make twenty five feet with uh, two fifty nines on each end all day long. But if somebody needs that, like you said, extra special cable for their repeater, for instance, or right. something, you guys can manufacture that without a problem. Right. And one of the things that we, we also do is we help with phasing. So if you, you know, if someone calls us up and says, okay, I need it to be exactly this from tip to tip, we'll do our best to make that happen. Gotcha. Gotcha. About an eighth of an inch is about as close as our tolerances are in most cases. I mean, if you got guys doing moonshots and things like that that need exactly 15 feet to the, you know, to the nth degree, uh, we can usually get it to with about an eighth of an inch. Wow. That's close enough for government work. Yeah, it works. <laughs> USACoax.com. Now, folks, we're, we're talking again. We're talking to Kim and Ray Nelson. No Ken that we know of, but uh, we do share the same last name. And uh, they are with with uh, MPD. I have dyslexia, so you have to give me a second. MPD Digital. Dot us as well as usacoax.com. Now, you said that's a stealth site. You don't really advertise it. You just did. <laughs> so if you see a, a bump in orders, you'll know where that came from. Uh, that's funny. We'll take them. Yeah, guys, you can go to usacoax.com. All USA manufactured cable as well as assembly here in the southeastern United States of America. Let me ask you guys uh, another business-type question. Uh, 2008 got really hard for my wife's business uh, we, we had a big day spa where we had about 23 employees where we had massage and facials and manicures, all these extra add-on things that people would come in and use their credit cards for. Uh, right. In the credit crunch of, 20, of 2008, a lot of those ladies who were doing those services had to find something else to do or some way to figure out a way to stay themselves in business, and it got really tough for a lot of people. Uh, since that time, it's very, very slowly coming back. But uh, have you guys recognized any any recovery in your business, or did you ever have a downtime in amongst that time? Well, that was really probably about the same time you were starting. So, you know, we started our business in September of 2001. Yeah. You know, so we picked a bad there time to start. There tough time there. Yeah. Yeah. There were some tough times there with the – and you're right about that. There was a – there was a definite downturn in the economy and a downturn in online sales as well. And, uh, and we had the situation where you wake up one day and all of a sudden your credit card processors uh, aren't there. And uh, it, so you have to switch gears in the middle of everything. So it, it's been an interesting, some interesting times, you know, and then I've got Mr. Obama saying we didn't build this. So, uh, you know, sometimes you just want to want to reach out and make it plain that, uh, that zero government assistance has gone into this business, but uh, you know it, it's been, there's been some interesting times. But it is this summer is the first time that we're starting to see a lot of infrastructure expenditure, and what I mean by that is we did all the cable assemblies to put the new distributed antenna systems uh, at the University of Tennessee and at the Pirate Stadium and the Penguins uh, Stadium and. Uh, the Cardinals football stadium, all of those are using our cabling. So, you know, we're seeing some infrastructure spending now that we haven't seen in quite a while, and that's helped some too. Well, that was going to be my next question. It, it's more than just about the hobbyist, if I, if I can, if I can say right. it that way. Uh, you guys are a, a full-blown 
corporate entity that can can handle orders like that from a larger larger conglomerate type contractual agreement purchasing power down to the poor guy like me on the farm who needs 35 feet of LMR 400 or something right and and that's something that we've we've you know we have increased our capability of doing you know bulk production you know to do those kind of corporate jobs or the big jobs but we've never stopped and have absolutely zero intention of stopping servicing the customer base that that pays the way and that that always worked for us and that's the the amateur radio guys and uh you know it's a lot more fun to deal with the ham operator who needs a you know a, a new transmission line for a 10 meter antenna than it is to you know produce 50 you know 18 and a half foot cables with qma connectors to hook up an antenna system for you know cellular phones <laughs> uh so you know we we do what we do both of them uh but we have more fun working with amateur radio i got you and, and you know i don't know how i've forgotten this uh ray what, what's your call I, I i haven't even gotten that from you well, it depends on whether or not the vanity call sign I, I got simply because of the business is November one Mike Papa Mike Papa Delta or N one MPD. Um, my my call sign that I, that I got starting out KK four UIS. But uh, yeah, that's that's something I don't get to spend as much time up on the air as I as I'd like to. But uh, yeah, we we've been. Uh, We've been in the hobby now for about three years. Fantastic, and, and I can appreciate the uh, the not having the time to enjoy the hobby comment. <laughs> it, it seems that's how it goes. You know, you get into something that's related to a hobby that you enjoy, and you, you wind up doing the work, and everybody else is getting to play. But that's okay. You've been licensed, you say, for about three about three years or so. But you were making cables four years prior to that where did that come from were you in the military were you in the communications area or did is just something that you like to do well i had i had a little bit of experience with it in the military because i was i was in the logistics side of the house and and we worked on some of the electronic services um my contracting job after the military was in it and electronics so i was exposed to it that way initially we started out uh making a lot of cables for uh, satellite and wireless internet and things along that line and uh, very very quickly learned that uh, the customers for uh, amateur radio applications were a whole lot nicer to deal with than the customers that wanted to steal their neighbor's internet. Maine Trading Company celebrating six years in the amateur radio business. Visit the website www.mtcradio.com and be sure and give us a call if you don't see what you're looking for. And if you happen to catch Danielle on the phone, she's our latest employee at Maine Trading Company, and she just got her tech license. Congratulations to our very own Danielle Varner at Maine Trading Company. Give us a call for all your ham radio needs, 903-737-0773. Segment two of the Photon Podcast brought to you by the Kenwood TS590SG, the class-leading performance, probably one of the best receivers on the market, and it can be yours in 100 watts across the bands, HF through 6 meters, along with full DSP. Check it out online at mtcradio.com for your best price. Call Richard 
at mtcradio.com today to get your Kenwood TS590SG. Okay, we're back with Kim and Ray Nelson of MPD Digital. You can find them online at mpddigital.us as well as usacoax.com. And both of those sites, one will get you to the other. One will allow you to even manufacture or have manufactured to your specifications specialty cables for your particular application in amateur radio. Uh, Kim and Ray are with us, of course, uh, just as I mentioned a moment ago. And we've been talking about their business, MPD Digital, and uh, we're gonna t- we got some. Uh, I've got some personal questions I want to ask about the technical aspects of coax cable. Uh, Ray, when when I go online, or I'm on an I'm on an internet forum where someone comes on and says, "Hey, I want to, I want to run a hundred feet." to my UHF, VHF, dual-band antenna for amateur radio, so for the 144 to 148 and then the 70-centimeter band. Right. What what coax cable can I use? I'm running 100 feet, and some guy will come up and say, well, if you're under 100 feet, you can run an RG8X, or someone says, no, you have to have an LMR-type cable. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's beans or, more, you know, beans or no beans. It's, it's, it's left and right, uh, six to dozen, half another. So... From a cable manufacturing perspective, with that question, what's what's your answer? I'm going to give you my absolute 100% no slip, never miss, correct engineering answer. All right, it depends. <laughs> uh, you know, I get we get calls we get calls every single day. What cable do I need? And, and the first the first thing I'm going to ask the person is, what frequency are you using? And the second thing I'm going to ask, or, or what's your highest frequency band, rather? In this case, you're saying seven, 70 centimeters. Mm-hmm. So I know you're going up over 300 megahertz. You're going up in the 440 range. And the second question I'm going to ask is, how many watts are you pushing? How much power are you pushing? Right. Because those two aspects there are, are critical. Now, there's others out there like... Oh, you know, are you running next to anything that you need extra shielding and things along that line? But if you're buying decent quality cable, you can usually negate most of that. Um, but, you know, the, the two main considerations, you know, what frequency and how many watts and, how, and what's the length. The second thing that's out there um, that can really help folks out is um, Times Microwave, and, and we're a... We're a Times distributor on Amazon. We deal directly with Times and just got a 50,000-foot shipment in of LMR 400 as an example. Uh, but Times Microwave at timesmicrowave.com slash calculator runs an online calculator that asks those three questions. And the first thing you do is you select a cable type. The second thing is you put in the distance of the run and the frequency and the wattage, and it'll tell you what your loss is going to be, uh, your transmission line loss is going to be, and allows you to compare RG58 to RG213 to LMR240 to LMR400. And, and basically, what you need to do is determine how much loss can you stand um, in order to get your signal out. Because what, what most people understand, of course, is that your radio is going to put out a certain amount of average power. Now, the antenna has gain to it for a lot of people. 
say a 3 dB gain, 4 dB gain, whichever. Now that gain from that antenna is a nice thing to have, but that gain only works on the amount of energy that's actually transmitted from the radio to the antenna. Then the antenna can plus up that signal. But if you've got a situation, which we see quite frequently, where we've got somebody running you know, RG58 at a 70 centimeter, and they're losing a significant amount of signal prior to it getting to the antenna, then that signal is only going to be able to be multiplied X number of times because you're not going to get back what you lose, no matter how nice an antenna you have. So um, that's kind of a convoluted way of answering your question. Um, the other way of putting it would be uh, at 70 centimeters, uh, running 100 feet, Probably the most, uh, probably the least I would run would be an LMR 240, um, and uh, or you could also run an RG 213, but 240 would work better because of the additional shielding in the foam dielectric. Fantastic. We get that that questions asked so many times on so many different forums and question and answers, and uh, people have their opinions. Really, oh, yeah. really, what it comes back down to is if you have a question just do the calculations i mean because yep. i mean folks have got you know there's folks out there with 8x and and they've they've got it and they can hit their local repeater and their antenna's right. 250 feet away from the house and it was cheap and they're happy and they're gonna say well hey it works for me well yeah it works because you don't need but about four watts to get to your local repeater <laughs> right. if you're doing low you know uh, low power work or qrp or something we mentioned we talked earlier in the in the pre-call um, about some work that you do with some of the portable antenna manufacturers that you provide the cables for. Right. Uh, you don't have to tell me the manufacturers if you don't want to, but I'm curious uh, what type of cable are you packaging? And these are HF antennas, I'm assuming. Uh, what they're, type? They're H- that's correct. They're okay. HF antennas. Uh, for those antennas, because of the lightweight requirements. Um, well, let's see. For one manufacturer, we, we use uh, LMR 400 Ultraflex and LMR 400 because they're running short lengths of cable and they want absolutely the least loss possible because their goal is to talk 2,000 miles with 5 watts of power. Mm-hmm. Um, and another manufacturer, uh, we're running RG8X and RG58, very high quality RG58. Uh, because they're running higher power applications, uh, and still they're only running 25 to 50 feet of cable, but they're never going above, they're never going above, say, six meters. So, uh, you know, a lot of it depends, is frequency dependent and how many watts you're going to push. Gotcha. The average new guy, and that's who is, that's who our audience is here on the program. I mean, we have, well, that's our target. Now we have folks that have, have been amateurs, uh, for far many more years than I've been breathing. And uh, they they come by and enjoy the show, and we're happy to have them. But we know that we have a contingency of, of new amateurs. We also have folks who are interested in getting into the hobby to uh, to lay it down simply for the, for the newer folks. They get licensed. They buy themselves a, a single-band, uh, two-meter radio, mobile base station to use at home. They get like a nice Ed Fong J-Pole or maybe an Arrow or something, just a basic antenna for two meters. Sure. And they're going to put it up on their chimney or up on a, a mast above their the end of their house, and they've got a 75-foot run. 
we go to the calculator, but what does your gut tell you? What what can this guy on his budget, which is a beer budget with champagne taste, what's this guy going to need to buy uh, cable-wise to get a good signal on two meters and, and not break the bank? Okay, that's, that's a great question. Um, and there's a couple of right answers for it. Um, the, the first thing is, is that um, understand that your your radio, your coax, and your antenna is a system. You know, spending spending you know five hundred dollars on a radio, and then twenty dollars on coax and an antenna, it is not the best way to go about reaching out to the world. Uh, what you need to look at is you need to look at your system. I mean, it's just like think of it as buying a buying a thousand dollar stereo and twenty dollar speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't matter what the, how great the stereo is; it matters what can be heard. Um, so, understand that you, you're you're better off investing money to get the maximum amount of signal out to the out to the world. Um, when you look at the cabling. There's a couple of rules of thumb. Number one is that all aspects of quality and construction being equal, every time you double the size of that center conductor carrying a radio signal from your radio to your antenna, you cut your amount of transmission line loss in half. And what that means is is that RG213, as an example, you, you know, you'll cut your cut the transmission line loss in half going from, say, 58 to 213. Uh, There's a significant drop in loss going from 58 to RG8X. So every time that wire gets bigger, more copper equals more signal. Uh, A lot of it boils down to the amount of available cash. The smallest I would go in this situation would be an RG8X. Um, I would not mind running a 213, uh, RG213, uh, RG214's complete overkill, LMR 400's complete overkill for that. You can turn around and run it and you'll do great and you'll get the maximum amount of signal, but 240 would work just as well and you'd save about 35% off your antenna run. Now, having said all that, and I'll quit after this, understand that Good quality RG8X is better than bad quality RG213. And so knowing what kind of cable you're running and where it's coming from is a large part of it because uh, you, you don't want to buy the you don't want to buy something that's going to cause additional heat loss and other good stuff. So sorry for dragging that out. No, no, I, that that actually was a ph- phenomenal answer. Appreciate that. You're looking at uh, you're looking at eBay and and you're shopping I, and and the guy okay the guys are convinced you have to have a two thirteen cable so you're shopping and you're like oh this stuff's like two or three times as much as the eight X is but then yep. you find a really nice pretty decent price it's almost comparable it's still higher but it's it's less than the majority of the other two thirteens you're saying that there are lesser gauge or grades of quality cable that could actually, you wind up spending more money, but having less than you could have gotten with a nice 8X cable. That's correct. And, and the reason for that is fairly, it's fairly simple. Um, RG, you know, these designations that you hear, RG58, 
RG213. You know, the old radio guide designations, World War II era nomenclature is, is a great thing. Understand, however, that in today's world, the only thing determining the specifications of the cable is what the manufacturer feels like doing. That, uh, that there are still mil specs, but if that cable is not manufactured to a specific military specification, there is no other guideline for the quality of copper, the amount of shielding, the type of dielectric. There's no guideline at all for that. The only thing that RG213 designates today is that it's going to be a 0.405-inch cable with a certain size of center conductor. It has nothing to do with how it's manufactured, what type of jacket it has, what type of dielectric it has, how many, whether it's an 80% braid shielding or 96% braid shielding, whether or not the shielding is made out of aluminum or copper, uh, whether or not there's too much tin in the alloy. All those things are determined only by the manufacturer and their sense of propriety, so to speak. So they can put their name on it if they want, but it doesn't mean that it is a quality cable. And you guys, you're, you only use cable manufactured in the U.S. by U.S. manufacturers, of course, that meet your specifications to the type of quality you wish to share with your customers. Is that correct? That, that's correct. The other thing is, is we only sell mil spec grade cable. Okay. Um, we don't sell cable that's that's manufactured to less. If the government won't buy it, we won't sell it. And the nice thing for the amateur radio community is that, uh, well, there's it's a good and bad. The bad thing is there's only a half a dozen manufacturers of coaxial cable left in the United States. The good thing is, is because of the Buy America requirement. The, the main customer for those manufacturers is the U.S. military. So they're running quality cable because they have to run cable that the military will buy. So the cable that comes out of the factories in the U.S., for the most part, is, is very good quality because they, you know, they're going to run the same batch of cable. Uh, you know, they'll run a, you know, 500,000 feet of cable. And we might buy some, the Air Force might buy some, the Navy might buy some, but all of us get the same standard of cable. Very interesting. Now, what's the largest cable that you guys deal with for the amateur hobbyist? The, the largest cable we work with on a daily basis is, is uh, 0.4 inches, 0.405 inches, 0.410 inches. Um, and that's primarily because if you're going over, say, RG214 or uh, LMR400 size, you're getting these very specific requirements. I mean, certain repeaters, uh, when we make cables for Verizon and other folks, you know, a lot of those want one inch, you know, want half inch cable or 0.6 inch cable. But your average amateur radio requirement. Uh, I'd say LMR 400 is about the biggest you need. Okay, so I've got a I've got a 35 foot tower laying out here beside the barn that hopes to get planted in the fall. I'll put up a uh, a four or five I think it's a four element beam, an old Cushcraft beam on the top of it. Uh-huh. Uh Up the tower and across and back in the shack, maybe 70 feet. Uh, 
some people are screaming you need to use hard line. Others don't use hard line. I, I don't think I'm going to use hard line. That's just not not what I would do. But something like that is that is that this grade of this grade of cable you're talking about, or is it something even less than that? Well, no, you could you can run LMR for what you're talking about. Once again, you know what frequencies are you using and how many watts are you pushing? Yeah, I mean you can use an LMR 400 for that very easily. Uh, since you're having a rotor probably with your beams, I'd mm-hmm. recommend you know running a standard length and then splitting it off for the the the, the length that needs to do a lot of flexing and using maybe, maybe an ultra flex for that, but you know something along that line. But hardline cable in in the hobby world is a lot of money for not a lot of gain. Uh, you're you're talking increasing your costs significantly, but I don't know that you're going to be gaining that much signal output. Well, it makes no sense to me personally, but I'm just a dude, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, don't get me wrong. We've done hardline installations before. And, and when there's a specific requirement for them, I mean, you know, if you've got a, a repeater installation where it's 300 foot from the transmitter to the, to the antenna, uh, you know, you've got situations that are specific that, that require a specific type of cable a little bit different. But for your average person running, you know, between 25 and 200 watts, um, you know, hardline for the most part is is overkill. That was that was what I thought as well, and it was kind of comical that the, these folks that were suggesting this, and I was like, guys, it'll be you know eight or ten years before I can put the tower up if I have to save to buy that type of coax. Are you kidding? You know. <laughs> so, all right. So we've been talking about coax cable, and we've talked a little bit about uh, the manufacturing process. You guys, do you buy you buy all? Do you produce only cable assemblies from the Times cables, or are there other brands as well? Or is everything in the air quotation marks there Times? Uh, no, we we, uh, okay. we we do have a close working relationship with Times Microwave because, you know, I like the fact that their cables made up in Wallingford, Connecticut. Even if they're Yankees, they do a good job. Um, <laughs> however, we buy, Col- we buy cable made in North Carolina that's made by Coleman. We buy a lot of cable now uh, from Consolidated Wire. It's made outside of Chicago. Uh, we buy a lot of cable that uh, that is a CCI brand, Southwire uh, cable uh, from here in Georgia. So there's there's several manufacturers that we that we buy from. Uh, Times does not well. Times does make an RG two thirteen. Um, but it is it's super expensive because it's made primarily for shipboard use, uh, and the, the amateur hobby usually doesn't want to pay three or four dollars a foot for cable. So we 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 uh, buy the consolidated two thirteen, um, and we buy consolidated RG fifty eight or a Coleman RG fifty eight or Carroll or one of the other U.S. brands. I got you. Now, to take a step away just a moment from the store. Let, let's talk about your 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 taste in the hobby, um, mm-hmm. and you like me don't get as much time as we wish we had to operate. But uh, what do you enjoy about amateur radio? What is your favorite part of operating? What mode bands? Whatnot? You know, 
one of the things that I really like doing is to see how far on how little. Um, and I think that to me is, is one of the biggest challenges. Uh, it's not about, it's not about pushing the maximum amount of wattage through, you know, the maximum hugest cable to the, to the biggest antenna. It's about, it's about the, the, the remote location or the setup, you know, with, with either a magnetic loop or a, or a, or a, a buddy pole or something along that line where you're able to talk uh, and to, and just see how far you can push that signal out there, uh, you know, in a portable aspect and, and the field day type of work because I, I personally don't get a chance to, re, uh, to participate in Aries, although we give significant discounts to Aries cable assemblies and things things like that that people need for emergency work. Um, but to me, it's the outdoor aspect and the ability to see just how far you can reach out with five watts worth of power. We have, uh, we've covered that quite often here on the program, and it's kind of funny. I, I was waiting for you to say I go out with my KX3. Um, most everybody that I've talked to on the show has one except Kale and uh, I'm going to get me a patch made or something that says, no, I don't have a KX3, but it's, uh, sorry. Some folks are laughing at my, my bad inside joke there and others are still scratching their head. That's okay. That's okay. I, uh, I would like to operate more like that. Um, I don't necessarily have the equipment to do so. No, that's an excuse. I understand that. But uh, the, a friend of the show here, uh, George Ropolis from the San Francisco Bay Area, has begun producing a portable antenna. It's called the Pactenna, and I've used it here on the farm. It works really well. It's very, very lightweight, very portable. And uh, I would like to get a rig that I could really make some use of that. And I had it all planned out a few weeks ago. We were going to camp. We were going camping with the family, and two other families were going with us, and we we're going to tent camp and up in Brevard, North Carolina. And I had I had planned to take the radio and the antenna and, and try to make it work, you know, get just a little time. When I arrived back home on Sunday, I was so grateful that I didn't take up any of my packing space with my radio stuff because it the time never arrived that that could have happened, <laughs> you know. So, and you know that's just how it is. It's where I'm at, and I, and I'm okay with that, you know. I'm okay, but it would be fun. It would be fun, and maybe one day I'll get to that point of of, of freedom to to. I'll, I'll probably regret ever getting to that point but uh anyway it's very interesting the the coax question it, it always comes up and everyone always has an opinion but i think ray more than once you've you've helped us understand that the best way to come to the best answer for that question is to calculate in real life what you're going to try to do you can get your buddy's opinions if you want you can even call the manufacturer or call someone like you and and, and get your ideas as well but really, we can save a lot of time and headache if we'll just use the calculator. Is that correct? That that's correct. One of the things you, one of the things you want to understand is is buy the best buy the best coax that you need. Um, but if if you're never going above HF, um, and you're going to be running 200 watts, why would you invest in LMR 400? Um, in that case, you know RG213 is just fine. So buy the, buy the cable that fits your use and, and buy the best you can afford and buy it once and 25, 30 years later, you'll still be using the same coax. 
Now, I, last, last, well, let's see, when, when was it? A show or two ago, I talked about the crimp versus the solder. Oh um, my lord, what a controversy! Yeah, yeah, you know, it used to be code or no code. I think we've, I think we're going to stir up the stir up the crimp and or no crimp controversy here. Uh, you guys solder your stuff, if I'm not mistaken. We do both. Okay. Uh, that, that's that's kind of funny. But here, here's here's the here's the thing. For the ham radio world, amateur radio world, we primarily use silver, uh, silver PL259s with Teflon dielectric, screw them on and solder them down. For the cables we do for the military, for the cables we do for uh, Norfolk and Southern Railroad, as an example, just bought 150 cables that all of their locomotives they're switching all that's electronic now and they use really use pl259 connectors on nine foot of rg213 uh but they and the military insist on crimp connectors wow so uh i would say we use both uh i would say that in today's world there is no there is no added benefit in using the standard solder on PL259 over the crimp. And in many cases, especially if it's going to be hard use type, it, you know, you've got significant drawbacks because it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to crack, uh, crack a joint. If you've got, you know, a lot of solder in there or solder flowing in there, than if you've got it crimped on, uh, so it really it's personal preference. Uh, you want my best, my best rule of thumb is don't use PL259 if you can use something else. But that's a, that's an even bigger controversy. <laughs> so you're an N fan? Uh, N, TNCs. Um, you know, B and Cs to me are somewhat fragile, but they're excellent connectors. Um, but I will tell you that the PL259, and I mean, the testing is out there. The PL259 connector outside of the United States, you won't find it. Radio manufacturers that import, that produce radios and ship them to the U.S. will put SO239 or female UHF connectors on the back of them. And the same radios they export everywhere else in the world get in female connectors on the back of them. <laughs> I guess that's, uh, that's the that's old cheap hams who are still wanting to... Uh just solder on the uh, the low cost connector maybe well the problem is is that the, the good good quality pl259s are twice as expensive as decent quality ends and tncs and stuff now wow well, literally that, almost more than twice as expensive i had because, uh, go ahead i mean i was just going to say the in order to have the tap it, it requires more brass more silver and more teflon to produce a decent quality PL259 than it does any of the other connector types. Because of the, the two, the big screw. Type. Right. Because, yeah. yeah. Because they're so big. Exactly. Furl, I guess is what you'd say, but right. Yeah. Well, I've got a friend of mine who is a, a, a very dedicated DXer. He, he just, he added on to, he had that on his house to get his radios in. I mean, he's just, just an awesome dude. No, he's just one of those guys, you know. I mean, he's he's been doing this for fifty plus years, and it's it's his passion, you know. His ham shack is nicer than my entire house. And right. uh, we were talking, and he says, you know, I'm just I'm an I'm an in crimp fan, and and I I almost fell over. I said, really, you, you prefer that over soldering too? He's like, yes. 
But then after I thought about it, it really didn't surprise me. But it was kind of funny. Um, and I say it was funny because I brought it up a couple of weeks ago on a show, and I was I didn't really get the guys going where I wanted to get them going. But I've actually considered getting me a crimping kit to do crimping myself on coax cables instead of having to solder them. And um, I couldn't get the guys to take the bait a couple of weeks on our field day special when I had three guys in here with me. But uh, anyway, um, that was I was another curious question. I've got some cable assemblies that you guys made from me, made for me uh, a few years ago, and it's kind of funny because I just found you on eBay, and um, I'm just you know I'm weird I guess, but I was looking for someone manufacturing cable in the U.S. Okay. And then I kind of got it down to where there were three or four different, five different people. And I chose you guys uh, because you were in the southeastern part of the U.S. for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I liked I liked what you had to say, determining your product and your quality and whatnot. Also, I could get it pretty quickly from you versus someone in Arizona. So right. uh, that, but, but the assemblies I got were just, I mean, for if wire can be pretty, they were gorgeous. I mean, it was so meticulously well done. I just kind of held them for a few minutes and thought, wow, these people really know what they're doing. And um, I just want to commend you on your work. Uh, and and I can't remember who, and, and I'm embarrassed to say that, that one of our Facebook followers um, actually posted a message uh, back when I alluded to having you guys on, on the air uh, a few months ago. Is, is We've been talking about this for a long time, but uh, I, I said something in one of the episodes. We've got an episode coming up with MPD Digital and he said, I've been buying from these folks for years. I'm so excited you're going to have them on your show. They do such a great job. Their, their quality is so fantastic. So uh, your, your work speaks for itself. And, you know, in, in today's society, in today's marketplace where everything is so competitive, I mean, Amazon is the most competitive place in the world to do business. Uh, it's so neat to go on there and type in coax cable or something like that or just type in MP, MPD Digital and all the assemblies that you sell. Uh, and they're so reasonably priced, comparatively speaking, for the quality that you're going to get for, for what you guys manufacture. It's really cool to see that available in such a broad fashion to the extent that I'm going to add a new uh, a new category to, to the Amazon store that we have here for the podcast, uh, just coax cable assemblies, and they're going to be full of the MPD Digital. So, uh, guys, if you're looking for some high-quality stuff, these are the folks to call. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that Kim and I are very proud of is that 27% of our business is from repeat customers. And, and that's that makes us feel very good because we actually had a, a, a company that runs statistics and analysis, and that's what they do for a living is they sell it to you know, manufacturers, call us up and say, how do you do this? And <laughs> And the answer was we never set out intending to do it. It's just the way it is. And that, I think, is one of the biggest compliments to Kim and how she runs the business. Well, you guys do a fine job, like I said, and I've I've really enjoyed having you on. I know that uh, after this episode post, I would imagine that we'll have some comments and some questions, uh, and I'm going to direct them uh, to you and uh, let you handle them because sure. uh, you're, you're the, the pro. I'm just the dude. So... Uh, if you do have questions and you want to send them in, you can contact us on the on the Photime website. You guys know how to do that, the listeners. Uh, if, if you want to check them out online, man, go to uh, marypapadeltampddigital.us. Or if you want the really cool website, it's coax, 
is it coax cable usa or coaxusa.com get it right for me because i'm going to screw it up usa coax ah see there dyslexia everywhere usacoax.com and uh you're also you can be found do you have a specific seller name on on ebay uh yeah it's actually under sage maiden for uh kim's original uh Kim's original seller account. Okay, Sage Maiden. And we'll, we'll link all of this in our show notes, uh, like we always do for our folks, to make it easy for you. Uh, but uh, the usacoax.com, the mpddigital.us, uh, there's contact telephone numbers there. Don't call them after 9 o'clock Eastern, guys. <laughs> really, they like to work 8 to 5. So, so give them some slack. At least, you know, even if you're on the left coast, just call in when you first get up in the morning. You'll be okay. But uh, if you have some coax cable needs, if you're, you know, uh, a lot of the guys that, that listen to the program, we well, I've made a couple, but we do these, uh, the portable, you know, radio boxes, MCOM boxes or Aries boxes or whatever you call it, GoBox. And uh, that's what you guys did for me. And uh, I had some PL259 or, yeah, UHF to, to BNC connected cables you guys did for me. Gorgeous. Right. Just gorgeous. Uh, so if you need a special application cable, even the silly little cable to connect your Baofeng $35 walkie-talkie to your $21 tram antenna on the top of your car or the pizza pan on top of the uh, the ham shack desk in your future ham shack uh, if in your mom's basement, uh, you, you can connect with these guys and they'll take care of you, okay? mpddigital.us and usacoax.com. It's Kim. It's Ray Nelson. Kim Nelson, Ray Nelson. And they're on Twitter. Uh, are you guys on Facebook? Uh, yeah, we've got uh, okay. Facebook is uh, mpd.digital. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll link that as well. I'm not really a big Facebook user. I, I use it for the show, but... Right. Past posting pictures of my kids, it's not happening. So, uh, guys, we'll have all the links to the show, and, and genuinely appreciate you both coming on and, and sharing with us about your business. It's exciting to see, as a, and I've told other business owners that we've had on this show, it's exciting for me to see that happen. Uh, I know it's hard. I know it's tough, but we want to thank you for again for your service in the military as well as uh, providing jobs for folks here in the U.S. and providing an excellent product to the amateur radio community. Thank you. I, thank you, I appreciate it. Kim and Ray, thank you both so much for coming on the program. It's been a great time having you here. And I got before I go any further, I got to say, on episode twenty-five, we had some giveaways. Some folks who have been on the program before came back and said, "Hey, we'll we'll share with your listeners. We appreciate you having us on the program." And Ray and Kim hadn't even been on the program yet, but they decided to give to the listeners. So thank you so much for that prize pack for the listener here on the Photon Podcast. Kim and Ray Nelson of mpddigital.us. Now, if you want a custom manufactured to your specs assembly, you need to check them out at usacoax.com. Same company, different website, or you can just call them. Okay, their phone numbers are everywhere. And make sure you let them know you heard about them here on the Photon Podcast. Uh, we got some great shows coming up. I know Jeremy's working on some SDR stuff along with Gerald. George uh, finishing up with his review of the, the, the new Yesu 991, I think is the model number. It just slipped my mind. Sorry. But anyway, we appreciate you being here. Hope you had a lot of fun. Hope you learned something. I know Kel did. And we'll be back next time to do it again. Big special thanks to our show sponsor, mtcradio.com. Call Richard, Christy, Danielle, or Tammy. They can help you out. Find them online at mtcradio.com. We'll catch you in a few weeks, guys. God bless you. 73, y'all. 
Thanks for downloading, listening, and subscribing to AmateurRadio15.com presents Bowtime, the other ham radio podcast. You can find our past episodes, web links, and more at AmateurRadio15.com. That's AmateurRadio15.com. Follow us on Twitter at Photime Podcast. And remember to visit our show sponsor, Main Trading Company, at MTCRadio.com. Till next time, 73s. Field Day 2015, we've got a pack tenna update, November 9, Lima, Papatango. My buddy Brett, I think he was a little skeptical of the pack tenna's performance, but uh, set it up overnight for Field Day, and Brett, tell us about your impressions of the antenna. Well, it's set up very, very easily, and everything's in the, uh, the uh, Eagle Creek uh, ballistic nylon pack. It's uh, held organized. I'd say it probably took maybe 15 minutes set up. It helps to have more than one person uh, just to uh, make sure everything's going vertical. We were absolutely amazed for field day uh, when we got on 40 meters with it. I know on the phone station we got up to about 30 state an hour, which is pretty good for us for the phone station. Yeah, the noise floor was very low. Uh, we could hear better than we had ever heard before for field day. We love it. And uh, I'm interested in getting one, and we certainly uh, want to welcome that Pac-10 back for field day in 2016. So there you go, guys. That's uh, that's how the Pac-10 performed for Kilo 4 India India. They set it up at about 0200 this morning and had a great time. It is, of course, the Sunday, the end of field day as I record this. And just wanted to toss that in there at the end. If you guys are interested in a portable antenna solution, George and Nick definitely have a great thing going with Pac-10. And you can find them online at pactenna.com. We'll catch you the next time around. 73, y'all.